0: Fetlist.com offers a list of SoCA and carnival events in the New York City area, Miami, Atlanta, and so many other places. If you and your friends have been looking for some carnival vibes lately, this is the place to find it. Fetlist not only provides in person events nearby, but they also got you covered with virtual carnival experiences as well. Check out their website, www.fetlist.com, today. Hi everyone, welcome back to Black and Cold, which is a true crime podcast dedicated to many overshadowed victims. I am your host, Nichelle, and I am back this week with two cases for you guys today. Firstly, to my listeners who may have been looking for a new episode last week, if you are following this podcast on Instagram, you probably know that I took a week off, so that's the reason why nothing dropped last Sunday. So apologies there if you were unaware. Um, Something called life hit (laughs) and I just needed a little break. But if you aren't doing so already, please follow us on Instagram at black underscore cold underscore podcast just to stay updated with future announcements or any other type of information. Also, please continue to subscribe, rate and review this show if you haven't done so already. I really love to hear um, you guys' feedback. The stories I will be discussing today both have limited information out there, and this is something, sadly, I have said in my previous episodes. But if you are a frequent listener, you know that I take all of these cases serious, and I think it is still important to share them with the hopes that one day they can be solved. The first half of this episode comes to you out of Akron, Ohio, when a reliable 19-year-old goes missing during her work shift leaving her loved ones in so much confusion for months, and yet with so many unanswered questions up until this day. What happened to Taylor Robinson? Robinson was born on January 28, 1994, to her parents, Camilla and Winslow. She was raised with her mom and her brother, Jaquan, in the very conservative neighborhood of Akron, Ohio. So Taylor attended Kenmore High School, and she focused on early childhood development while she was there. She also stayed super busy with multiple activities. According to her brother, athletic was pretty much an understatement for Taylor. She played softball, football, volleyball, and she also ran track. While she wasn't doing any of her sports, Taylor also volunteered in her spare time. She was an office worker at her school, and she also helped out with daycare and Sunday school as an active member of her church. Taylor's favorite color was purple, and she loved animals. Camilla described her daughter as being pleasant and well-loved by everyone. Taylor used to make friends with people who weren't so popular while she was in school, just so they can feel welcomed by someone. She was described as having a very big heart. Taylor and her mom had a very close relationship. Camilla told Still a Mystery that her daughter and her used to talk about anything. They were pretty much like best friends. After she graduated from high school, Taylor remained busy and began to work two jobs. She worked retail at a clothing store, and she also became a home health aide. She even enrolled in college and attended classes at Kent State University. Her long-term goal was to become a neonatal nurse. She wrapped up her first semester at her new school by the fall of 2012. So we're just going to fast forward a little and go to May 3rd, 2013, which was a typical day for Taylor. She spent most of her day at home doing work for school, and that evening she got ready to go to one of her jobs. Her gig as a home health aide was actually an overnight shift, and her mom Camilla would usually drop her off at her client's house, which was on the 700 block of Kipling Avenue in Akron. And that's exactly what happened that evening. Camilla took Taylor to work and dropped her off at 10 o'clock p.m., where she would come back at 7 o'clock a.m. to pick her up after her shift was over. The next morning, when Camilla arrived around 7.15 a.m. to pick her daughter up from work, she was surprised when the mother of the client Taylor looked after told her that she was not there. But what was also odd about this was the fact that Taylor's shoes and her pink hoodie were left behind. They were still in the home. And I mean, this would definitely be red flags and a bad sign to me, assuming that wherever she was, she may have been barefoot. Camilla tried to give Taylor a call, but her phone went straight to voicemail, which is again another red flag or bad sign, especially for a 19-year-old. Camilla knew Taylor would not leave in the middle of her shift, Especially to just leave her client she looked after home alone, she knew something was wrong. Taylor was responsible and took her job very serious, according to her mom. Camilla made some more calls and reached out to loved ones asking if anyone had seen or heard from Taylor, but no one did. Her younger brother remembered coming home from school and seeing multiple people in his living room, and that's where he heard the news that his big sister was nowhere to be found. Taylor's family called the police to file a missing persons report, and when they arrived at the home of the client, there were no signs of forced entry, nor was anything in the house questionable besides her shoes and hoodie that were still there. Investigators suspected that Taylor had to have opened the door for someone. As authorities began to look into Taylor's phone records, they discovered that she received two calls shortly after her mom dropped her off at work. According to Still a Mystery, Taylor received a call at 10.03 p.m. and at 10.13 p.m. Now, both of these calls traced back to an ex-boyfriend of hers that she recently ended a relationship with. And one of the calls lasted for two minutes. Her records also showed that at 5 o'clock a.m., Taylor's phone displayed an outgoing text message asking for a favor from a friend. But the friend never responded. And by 7.30 a.m., Taylor's phone was shut off. Camilla and the rest of Taylor's loved ones began to search for her. The searches included not only family and friends, but just concerned parents and many people from the Akron community who didn't even know Taylor, but just wanted to help. A Facebook page was created. Flyers were hung up. Vigils were held in the neighborhood, hoping someone would step forward and have some type of information, but sadly, no one did. After one month of searches and requests for help from the public, Taylor's family received a tip on their Facebook page that her body was found behind a grocery store, but this turned out to be untrue. Two more months passed into the disappearance of Taylor Robinson, and her case still had no movement. It wasn't until July 24th, 2013, when the bodies of three young Black women were discovered in the East Cleveland area. Now, Taylor's family waited patiently on edge to see if she would be identified as one of the victims, but it was confirmed that she was not. So her loved ones continued on with their searches. They continued to walk various areas, and investigators continued to conduct their own searches as well, which included cadaver dogs. By August of 2013, three months after Taylor disappeared from her job, private investigator Tim Dimoff, who was also a former detective with Akron, contacted Camilla with the hopes of helping her find her daughter. Once Dimoff got a hold of all the facts, he also agreed, because there was no forced entry, that Taylor opened the door to someone that she knew. Dimov believes she was possibly carried out of the residence, which would explain why her shoes and hoodie were still there, and he strongly feels that this person had intentions on hurting Taylor that night or morning. His theory also suggests that it was more than likely a person who had some type of relationship with her. And this leads me back to her ex-boyfriend, who was the one who allegedly reached out to her twice the night that she disappeared. Now, I don't know any background information on their relationship, but because of the phone records, he was obviously put on law enforcement's radar or persons of interest list. And all I really know is that when they went to question him, he lawyered up immediately. Taylor's loved ones continued to look to the public for help in her vanishing. Camilla and her husband, Jeff, made pleas on multiple news stations for anyone to come forward, and they were still left with so many unanswered questions until another month went by. Four months after Taylor disappeared, on September 9, 2013, two hikers near Cuyahoga National Park discovered a human jaw bone, which they reported to park rangers. When investigators and the FBI evidence-responsive team arrived to the scene, they found more bones as well as a bra. According to Patch.com, the remains were sent to an anthropologist in Pennsylvania for further evaluation. And on the Wednesday afternoon of September 11th, dental records confirmed the partial remains were that of 19-year-old Taylor Robinson. Camilla was getting ready for work when she heard the news. The remains were discovered 15 miles away from where Taylor was last seen at the home she was dropped off at by her mom. Her disappearance became considered a potential homicide, according to the Akron police. The circumstances around her death were extremely suspicious. The medical examiner has tried to conclude Taylor's cause of death, but because of the condition of her remains, they were not able to officially determine one. Taylor's body was dumped in a park, which made private investigator Dimov conclude that her death may not have been a one-person act. It was also reported that there was additional evidence left at the crime scene, but they have not been revealed as of yet. Police Captain Zampelli told Fox 8 that many people who knew Taylor were interviewed, but a suspect couldn't be named as of yet because it was just too early. Dimov also received many tips on his end as well, but this is information we still don't know at this moment. With some of her remains being discovered, you would only hope that this could help solve her case, but unfortunately Taylor's case continued to stay at a standstill with no information leading to what happened to her. And although it was definitely not the news her loved ones wanted to hear, Taylor's mom Camilla was grateful that her daughter was able to be returned home. In April of 2015, News 5 Cleveland spoke with the Akron Police Department, who seemed very hopeful about Taylor's investigation, and they said they were searching new leads that they couldn't discuss. Up until January of 2020, Taylor's skeletal remains were kept with the Summit County Medical Examiner, but they were officially given to a funeral home shortly after because no more DNA testing was possible, according to News 5 Cleveland. That same year, the Summit County Crime Stoppers, along with the group called Silent Angels, partnered up to provide a $7,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or people responsible for Taylor's death. Dimoff, along with investigators, held a strong hope that the reward money will convince someone to come forward, but no arrests were made in her case. By May 2021, which is this month, you guys, just this month, the reward information on the death of Taylor increased to $10,000. Demoff continues to keep pushing Taylor's case until it is solved. Camilla and the rest of Taylor's family and friends are still looking to the public for any assistance so the person responsible can be held accountable. It is now eight years that have gone by, and this case is still unsolved. No suspects have been officially identified. Camilla told ID producers that she just wants to know who did this to her daughter and why. Taylor did not deserve this and still had a whole future to look forward to. She also stressed that her family will have no type of peace until they can get justice and some type of closure. Because this case is still being looked into, I understand that many things cannot be made public, But just to say, in my opinion, you know, I think this whole case has suspicious around it, like from the two calls from her ex-boyfriend shortly after she got to work to the outgoing text message at 5 o'clock a.m. asking for a favor. Me personally, I think it is highly unlikely that she was the one who sent that text message. Um, But yeah, to her phone being cut off shortly after her mom arrived to pick her up. And the biggest of them all is her shoes and hoodie that were left behind. Like, it's just all very wrong. Um, and like I say in many of my episodes, someone knows the truth out there. And I really hope her family can just get the justice that they deserve and soon. If you have any information on the death of Taylor Robinson, you can contact the Akron Police Department at 330-375-2490. All of my New York listeners, if you are planning any type of event soon and are looking for some of the best balloon and decoration services, Neat Designs is here for you. Neat Designs offers the most gorgeous setups, whether it's for a birthday, baby shower, or just a simple brunch. And y'all, it is black owned. You can see the work that they do on their Instagram at N-E-A-T underscore designs underscore. The second half of this week's episode leaves another family without closure in Alabama when another bright 19-year-old woman just vanishes after being seen last with an unknown vehicle. LaQuanta Nichelle Riley was born in Montgomery, Alabama on February 26, 1984. Her mom, Pam Riley, was just 16 years old when she gave birth to her. So LaQuanta was raised by her aunt, according to many of the sources that I read, But her and her mom were still really close and kept in frequent contact. I guess because Pam was, you know, a teenager at the time, her and her family decided it would just be more suitable for LaQuanta to live with her aunt. LaQuanta was known to be compassionate, outgoing, giggly, and just full of life. She loved music as well as cooking. Growing up, LaQuanta played the clarinet up until she left high school. She graduated in 2002 from Redden High School, which was in Stone Mountain, Georgia. LaQuanta was an honor student, and her goal was to go to college for criminal justice, where she wanted to pursue a career in forensic science. In 2003, 19-year-old LaQuanta was living with a friend in Eufaula, Alabama, but that would soon change. Now, I haven't been able to find a specific day, but sometime between the end of November to the beginning of December of that year, LaQuanta and her roommate slash friend got into a disagreement, which left her with the decision to want to move out. On December 5th, LaQuanta returned to Eufaula to gather her belongings. She then made a call to her mom, Pam, that evening, where she asked for a ride to Montgomery, which was about an hour and a half away. LaQuanta was upset when she made this call, but unfortunately, her mom was unable to get her. Now, some sources say because her mom couldn't get her, LaQuanta decided to then live with her aunt and cousin, and other sources say that she initially had plans to live with them from the jump, so it's not clear which one is the case, but either way, LaQuanta ended up back in Montgomery with her aunt and her cousin. Just two days later, on Sunday, December 7th, LaQuanta left her home at around 11.30 p.m. to go to her mother's house, which was just three miles away. LaQuanta got into a dark green sedan, which was described to possibly be either a Ford Taurus or a Chevrolet Caprice. The driver took her to Pam's house because LaQuanta wanted to go get her jacket. Now, when she arrived, her younger brother answered the door and he basically asked, like, who is that? referring to the car outside because he had never seen that vehicle before. LaQuanta didn't really give him any details, but basically said it was just somebody that she knew from the neighborhood. After she got her jacket from her mom's house, LaQuanta left going back into that same vehicle that dropped her off, never to be seen again. According to the Charlie Project, she left behind her purse and her money. 72 hours later, on December 10th, Pam reported LaQuanta missing because no one had seen or heard from her at that point. A few days after filing her report, Pam told authorities that she received a very questionable voicemail. According to Pam, she could hear her daughter's voice on the message, but it wasn't clear what was actually being said. She told AL.com that it sounded like something along the lines of, quote, leave me alone, or quote, she wanted to go home. Also, Pam said she could hear a man's voice on the message as well, where he could be heard saying LaQuanta's name. Now, the police have a copy of the recording, but it has never been able to be traced, nor has it been released to the public for investigation purposes. Pam said she listened to that message repeatedly until it was erased after a power outage. For a while, the police received no leads on LaQuanta's disappearance until there was a tip that an apartment had been in her name in Stone Mountain, Georgia. This is over two hours away from Montgomery, and this is also the same neighborhood where LaQuanta went to high school. Pam made the drive to see if she could locate her daughter, but when she arrived to the address, it wasn't LaQuanta that answered. Pam was greeted by a man who answered the door. And when she showed this resident a picture of LaQuanta, he said she lived down the hall and that she recently asked him to use his phone after she got into some type of argument with someone. This resident also told her that LaQuanta had just moved out a few days before Pam came to his door. And I sadly report that this was the last lead up until this day in regards to the disappearance of LaQuanta Riley. Now, in 2014, former police detective M. Dante Gordon, who worked on LaQuanta's case for two years before changing roles, spoke with AL.com and he basically was like, this is an unusual case because law enforcement received little to no real leads in regards to LaQuanta at all. He went on to say authorities attempted to speak with the people that she knew, but there was just little cooperation coming from everyone. Up until today, Pam Riley regrets not asking her daughter more information about her argument with her friend, which caused her to leave Ufala. But at the time, she just didn't want to intrude in her daughter's business. She feels it is highly unusual that LaQuanta left on her own without warning and for this long. Pam has led many vigils for LaQuanta, hoping that she would return home safely. She even started her own foundation called Riley Relief, which provides local support to other families searching for their missing loved ones. Pam told CBS 8 that she feels she was robbed and cheated because her daughter was taken away from her for all of these years. Even though she feels lost and is hurting, Pam says she is not going to walk around in sadness and she will not give up hope. She says she will continue to believe her daughter is alive until God allows her to know something different. She closed her interview by saying nothing but death will stop her from looking for LaQuanta. I'm not sure what the police have done in regards to LaQuanta's case because nothing is really out there publicly. Um, but a lot of people think she could have been sex trafficked due to the fact that she was last seen in an unknown vehicle. Also, LaQuanta was kind of vulnerable at this time. But I don't know. This would be mad bold for this dude to do because he dropped her off at her mom's house, which means he clearly wasn't fearful of being seen, which makes the sex trafficking theory questionable. Um, and then this apartment is just sketchy too, because someone who didn't want her to be found. I would assume that, you know, they wouldn't put a place in her name, you know, that would be a little silly. But in reality, we can't rule that theory out either because it is still a possibility. Also, the resident that Pam spoke to, um, that whole thing was a little suspicious as well, only because how coincidental is it that as soon as Pam arrived, LaQuanta doesn't live there anymore. And if LaQuanta used his phone, who did she call? And if this resident is being truthful, maybe she was trying to get away from someone, especially with that voicemail that Pam heard. And then when I think of that, and you know, the voicemail as well, besides sex trafficking, I also think of domestic violence and an or an abusive partner. I don't know. Like I just really wish more information was put out there. Either way, we look at it, 18 years is a very long time to not know where your missing loved one is. And hopefully someone will come forward and LaQuanta can return home safely. And just to add, I think that it's so dope that Pam began the Riley Relief Foundation, which is dedicated to bringing LaQuanta home, as well as helping other families find resources for their missing loved ones. In 2018, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released an age progression photo of what LaQuanta may look like at 34 years old, and I will go ahead and post that picture to our Instagram. There is currently up to a $15,000 reward for information on the disappearance of LaQuanta. She would be 37 years old today. If you have any information on the disappearance of LaQuanta Nichelle Riley, you can call the Montgomery Police Department at 334-241-2350 or Crime Stoppers at 334-215-STOP.